time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Frickard Studios. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickard's Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Big B Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now. Let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on to this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic It's 96.7 WBBI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night, wherever you may and however you may be listening to us. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I'm, I'm here to formally announce that I am submitting my application to be the new head coach at Ohio State because Lord knows I can't do much worse. Oh. <laughs> so I'm good. I'm good. You know, very excited about this new opportunity that awaits me at, at, in the uh, coming days and weeks ahead to apply for the Ohio State job. By the way, this is all wishful thinking. No, Ryan Day has not been fired yet. I apologize to the Ohio State faithful out there but uh no i'm doing good man it, it's been a good week uh still kind of recovering from you know the holidays and all that fun stuff but really just trying to uh try trying to make it through in a post losing two years in a row to michigan world and i'm just i'm, I'm having a hard time with it I'm just going to avoid any possible jokes i can make and just get into the rest of what we have on tap for oh come on show. at least one at least one joke. <laughs> Corey Rawson didn't give you an interview, and now you think you're going to be the Ohio State head coach? You know what? Shut up. Just... <laughs> you literally asked for it. You know, I did. And then I, I realized I didn't want it because you didn't bring that up. They, they sent me a thank you for applying email. Does that count? I mean, it's something, but it's not an interview. Yeah, I know. Uh, on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios, we'll, of course, talk with Kevin Harris, Schreiner from me at midfield to talk Ohio State football. The Buckeyes coming off of that loss to Michigan on Saturday. Now play the wait-and-see game to see if they will be included in the college football playoff for this season. We'll also talk with Old Fort Boys basketball coach Eric Hoover. His team had a big win yesterday against Oak Harbor. They'll open up SBC River play with Calvert Friday night. We'll hear from him a little later on in the show. We'll also catch up with Old Fort Girls basketball coach Tim Ritzler. They've been rolling to start the season. Wins over Seneca East and Fremont St. Joe. They'll hit the road on Saturday to play Sandusky St. Mary. We'll also hear from Coach Ritzler later on in the show. And we may not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, you can get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine-in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials are all dine-in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at frickers.com. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. 
It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks, freaking chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of freaking chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five freaking bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Last Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeyes fell at home to Michigan. They will now have to wait to see how the weekend plays out to see if they will be in the college football playoff. You can listen to Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We are now pleased to be joined here by Kevin Harris, Ryder from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom room. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you guys? Oh, we're doing we're doing all right. Thank you again for for taking taking the time to talk with us as you do each week, but this uh this did not go how uh, anyone in this uh in this chat wanted it to go. It was uh pretty much it was all right in the first half. Things were okay but not great. Second half, pretty much everything that could have fell apart pretty much did. So what were what were your big takeaways as you uh, as you went uh went through this one? Well, I think it's interesting because especially defensively, Ohio State really did exactly what it needed to do especially in the beginning of the game. Um, you know, they, they really shut down the Michigan running attack. I think it, at some point, like late, late in the second quarter, Michigan had zero rushing yards and JJ McCarthy had hit like, had missed, you know, it only hit like seven or it only hit like two of his first 10 passes or something like that. So it was, they were doing exactly what they needed to do. Um, you know, they were taking away the run and letting JJ McCarthy really beat them with the, his arm. And then it really was just two or three chunk plays. Um, if you really look back at it, that was really the difference, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, it, it, there was that broken, broken tackle on the sideline that went for like 75 yards. 
Then there was the one where Cameron Martinez fell and the receiver beat him downfield and went, you know, was wide open downfield. Then there's another one in the third quarter that went for, yeah, I think 45 yards or something like that. So there, it really wasn't like Michigan was not consistently beating Ohio state, especially through the first three quarters. Um, it was just those chunk plays and Michigan made those chunk plays and Ohio state really couldn't bounce back from them. And so it was, it was a combination of like it is it, lopsided as the score was at the end of the game. The defense actually like kind of played fine. Um, it, they just gave up chunk plays. And I, I think a lot of it was on the defensive side of the ball. It was almost an overcorrection from last year. It was like Jim Knowles and Ryan day were so afraid of what Michigan did last year in that running game. Uh, that they actually went cover zero for a huge chunk of the game, which Ohio State has not done at all this season. Um, you know, Ohio State has has not even really gone cover one or cover two. They've played, you know, three deep, sa- well, three safeties. Um, they've played a lot of cover three, a lot of uh, a lot of cover one. Some like sometimes if they need to do a blitz or something like that, they'll play cover one. They've never gone cover zero, which means that they don't have a deep safety back. And they did that a lot against Michigan. And that's what caused those, at least two of those three deep touchdown passes. Uh, And so that to me was an extreme overcorrection because I think that Ohio State's been talented enough against the run this year that they could have played base and probably stopped Michigan. Uh, And and they actually did. They they kind of snapped out of the cover one once or or the uh, cover zero after a couple of those big Michigan plays. And they, you know, had decent success stopping them. But, um, Ultimately, it was too little too late, and the offense couldn't get going. Um, you know, Michigan was just doing – Michigan was really allowing Ohio State to run the ball and dropping a lot of guys into coverage and not really being super aggressive on the pass, on the passing attack. And uh, I think Ryan Day was taking what Michigan was giving them instead of kind of asserting the way that he wanted to play offensively. So it just was – Michigan came out. Frankly, Ohio State got outcoached. Um Michigan came out and had a great game plan and JJ McCarthy, even though he did not have a great game, like if you really look at his stats, he completed 50% of his passes, um, you know, and three of his passes were responsible for like 80% of his yards or something like that. But he hit the throws that he needed to hit and Ohio state was banking on him not doing that. And so, um, you know, he, he won the game. And even though CJ Stroud probably had a better performance, it didn't matter because he didn't make the plays that he needed to make. So, first of all, Kevin, I, I'm I'm kind of stymied because I don't know where I want to go with this. Do I <laughs> do I want to go with burning everything to the ground? And I'd love your thoughts on it. Asking the obvious question of how do we feel about the fact they got out coached? Maybe ask the question of how do we feel that this is now two Michigan games in a row where the team was outcoached in the second half, the defense absolutely laid an egg to the tune of 65 more rushing yards in the second half than they gave up in last year's game. Or do we talk about the fact that this is now the second Michigan game in a row where they were outcoached that most likely cost CJ Stroud his Heisman. So I'll go ahead and ask. I know it's been passed around a lot on Twitter and social media already. 45 and five. But now two straight losses against Michigan, having a completely stacked roster for the first couple years that he's been a part of the he's been the head coach of the program, and having 
used up his one scapegoat already with the defense from last year with the defensive coordinator and actually statistically having a worse result this year and not even to the Heisman candidate in Blake Corum, but to his backup uh, on a scale of on fire to it's no longer there and it's just ash underneath him. How hot should Ryan Day's seat be right now? Well, I mean, it's a hilarious question based on like his record and stuff like that. But the reality is you cannot lose back-to-back games against Ohio State or against Michigan and expect it to just be fine. Like you, you can't do that as the head coach at Ohio State. And I think John Cooper proved that when he had legitimately great Ohio State teams that lost to Michigan. And, you know, that was it. Um, I, I think it's a little different for Ryan Day in that Ohio State has a legitimate chance to make the college football playoff this year, even with lo- losing to Michigan. And so maybe his leash gets longer, but Ohio State fans aren't going to want to hear that. I think the reality is that Ohio State fans are like, it used to be a controversial opinion that Ryan Day was you know, um, not cut out for this or was, uh, you know, kind of in over his head or didn't, wasn't doing the the things that he needed to do. Um, but now I don't think it is. Now I think that the majority of Buckeye fans are giving him the heat. I think that the majority of Buckeye fans are looking around at like, well, who, who else could we go to? I think the majority are looking at um, like a Mike Vrabel or a Luke Fickle. I, and I don't think that like people, maybe, maybe not everybody, or at least everybody understands that you're probably not going to do that right now. Um, Maybe Ryan day has one more year. Maybe he has two more years, but um, the reality is that like that can't happen. You can't lose to Michigan uh, two years in a row when Ohio state has dominated that team for 20 years. And I think that it kind of is amplified by the fact that if, if you're looking around, like next year's game isn't a gimme. You're going to be playing a, a new quarterback. Um, you know, a, a lot of your offensive lines probably going to be a little different. Your defense, there's some key defensive players that are leaving. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's, it's a fair question to start wondering because, like, if you're not going to beat them this year, what are you going to do next year? Uh, I, I do think that the whole, um, this this loss was worse than last year's loss, st- like statistically. I, I, I kind of disagree with that. I don't think it was worse than last year's loss because I think a lot of this year's loss was chunk plays and it wasn't just getting beat play after play after play after play. Like if you get rid of two plays and you, you know, somebody doesn't trip on one play or somebody makes a tackle on one play, like this is a completely different game. If they execute that, what was supposed to be a fake punt on that fourth and four in the third quarter or the, the fourth and 11 in, in the fourth quarter, if, if they execute that and get the first down, like there's a lot more what ifs in this game. I think last year's game was just like, well, they got pushed around up front the entire second quarter or second half. So, um, you know, what, what do you do about that? The, this game, it was like the team functioned fine. It was just, they didn't make the plays that they needed to make. And Michigan did um, a lot of times. And I think even those big runs at the end, like, what bothered me even more was that the team clearly quit. Like it wasn't that Michigan was just executing better. It was like nobody had any interest in playing football, especially towards the end on those two big Donovan Edwards runs. And that's concerning because like this team can still make the college football playoff, but um, I don't know. All in all, there were a lot of, a lot of coaching blunders and it was just signs that this wasn't a well-coached team, but it still was a better performance than last year. I just, 
it's it's very fair. It is a very fair response to start looking around at, um, you know, who else could be leading this team because it's clear that that there have been struggles preparing for the only game that matters and frankly other important games. You know, when you come to Ohio State, you're expected to beat Michigan, you're expected to compete for Big Ten titles, and you're expected to compete for national championships and college football playoff games. And I think Ryan Day is four and four in those games through his first um, four seasons at Ohio State. And Urban Meyer was seven and one, and his only loss was in 2013 to that Michigan State team in the Big Ten championship game. And it was a really close game that came down to that uh, Braxton Miller carry that didn't go for a first down. So, like, you're talking like it, it is wildly different, you know, it, it, up to this point. And I think Ryan Day's teams are more talented than Urban Meyer's teams were at the start. So, um, it it's it's a fair comparison, and it's fair to start asking the questions because the expectations are ridiculously high. But I think it's pretty clear that he's not meeting them. And, and I don't mean to jump in before you, Lance, on this one. It's Lance and I actually spoke about this off air, I, I think yesterday, to be honest with you, if I'm remembering correctly. But my my comparison is because I I thought about the Urban Meyer situation as well. It's Ur, Ur, Urban Meyer turned a Chevy Corvette into a Bugatti where seems like Ryan Day received a Bugatti and he's turned it into a Chevy Tahoe. It's good. It's reliable. It does what it's supposed to do, but it is not the flashy car that you need it to be. Yeah. It's it, it's just, it kind of staggers the mind when you look at the level of talent he's had come through. And obviously you can talk about some injuries. You can talk about some strange things here and there and all that fun stuff that's happened over the past couple of years with this team. But at the end of the day, you you can't find the running back when you've had two very good ones in Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. Jackson Smith, you've had Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr. You had the tail end of the Justin Fields era and the talent that he had around him. Lots of linemen going to pro, lots of big name players that have come through the program. And like you said, you're four and four in those big games. I mean, I really don't care if you beat Penn State. I really don't care if you beat Michigan State or Wisconsin or those. Guys. It's you need to win those games. Those are the ones that matter. So I, I'm I'm with you on that. And I, and I I guess I'm curious that as a little bit of a follow up, if it's still a better performance from that Michigan game, but with those big plays, is Jim Knowles on the hot seat, especially since he was brought in specifically to stop what happened on Saturday. I don't think so. I I think I think like schematically the game was fine. I like I think that it was a bit of an overcorrection like I said to go to cover 0 in that way. Um and it really did cost Ohio State, but like at the end of the day the way that he approached that game made sense. You know, JJ McCarthy is not a good quarterback. Like he's he's not good at throwing the ball. Um, and so they put the game in his hands and dared him to beat them. And I don't think what they really expected was that their cornerbacks would fall down or, you know, be within or they would be nowhere within 20 yards of a receiver and it would be an easy throw, you know, things like that. Um, like the way he approached the game made sense. It wasn't like like it was an intelligent approach and a like fine approach to the game. It wasn't the same thing as if like he'd made no adjustments came in and just got like pounded on the ground again. Like it, it it's not the same thing. It, it, 
it was an intelligent, smart approach to the game that just didn't work for, you know, a couple reasons. Um, and like, honestly, like if you play that game a few times, especially on the defensive side of the, of, of the ball, those are plays that like, that might not happen every time, you know, like, like the way that he played it, that game could have gone Ohio state's way. And I, I don't think if you played last year's game, 10 times Ohio state wins most of them. Uh, maybe I don't even think Ohio state wins close to, you know, 70 or 30% of the games if they played one last year. And I don't think that's the case this year. I think that there were a few things that went wrong on the defensive side of the ball that are very correctable and very easy to point at and say like, well, that cost them, you know, like they had back-to-back plays of, I guess it was 60 plus yards that were on completely busted coverages, you know, like a cornerback falling down or missing a tackle in in zero coverage. Like that's, that's going to cost you the game. So to me, that's not really on Knowles. It was more on execution and there is like kind of an issue there because the cornerbacks have been the weak spot of the team and you decided to basically place the entire game in your cornerbacks. But, you know, like I, I'm totally fine with the defensive coordinator approaching that game, looking at JJ McCarthy and those receivers and saying, I'm going to see if these guys can beat me. Cause that's, that's, that makes sense. Like that's the way that you should have approached this game. And they did, they made some plays and they won the game, but, um, I, I don't think you put Jim Knowles on the hot seat right there because it's not like Michigan came out and pounded Ohio State for, you know, eight yards of carry every play. It was just those big chunk plays that really Ohio State should have. If they stop one or two of them, it's a completely different game. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll be back shortly to continue our conversation with Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, to talk Ohio State football here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Think you can't qualify for a car loan because of your past credit, bankruptcy, divorce, even repossessions and charge-offs? Well, think again and turn the corner to Warner. Warner Buick GMC can help you find the money you need for a car. Call 419-429-6157. That's 419-429-6157. Or apply online at warnerbuickgmc.com. Let Warner help you get a car today. For price, selection, and service, Warner won't be beat. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are ironworker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Come on now, you know you've heard of those famous breadsticks. The ones oozing with cheese and a variety of other toppings you can choose from? That's right. The ones from Campus Poly Ice, the world famous ones. Don't forget Campus Poly Ice for tasty subs, pizza, your favorite beer, and even salads. One of Finley's best kept secrets. Don't forget to try the house made ranch dressing. Getting your favorite goodie from Campus Poly Ice is easy. Located at 339 South Blanchard Street, Campus Poly Ice offers dine in, carry out, or delivery. What you waiting on? Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. 
Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Continue our conversation with Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback. I have some observations. These are not questions. These are just observations because I was fortunate enough to be in Columbus and be at the game for, for this matchup. So these are my observations, and then I'll continue with the actual interview part of this. Number one, people hate Urban Meyer, both OSU fans and non-OSU fans, and it probably has a lot to do with how he left Ohio State and then whatever happened in the NFL and the scandals and not scandals and all that stuff. So that's just one thing. I heard John Cooper 2.0, as Matt alluded to, I heard it I don't know how many times as I was walking out of the stadium, so it was not surprising that it then carried over to social media. I also saw multiple Ohio State fans fighting with each other as we were leaving the game, as we were outside of the stadium uh, at some different tailgates. And I, because of being there when you have the different perspective of things, I said, oh, expletive on all of the broken plays because I saw the break happen and then, oh, yeah, they're about to score. Those are my observations. I hope you both enjoyed them. But now getting back to the coaching carousel, we have Lane Kiffin, who's going to stay at uh, Ole Miss because they needed to give him another extension and raise, even though they gave him one earlier this year. Auburn will now be getting Hugh Freeze, who famously drove that same Ole Miss team into the ground with sanctions after a whole lot of stuff uh, came out about what had happened there. Wisconsin, they go out and get Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Matt Rule will be going to Nebraska. He was at Temple and then Baylor before jumping uh, to the NFL. And now Stanford available with uh, David Shaw resigning from that position. We've already seen a lot of the big uh, coaching changes happen. What are some of the thoughts you have on what we've seen so far for, for the different coaching changes? I think it's it was the Luke Fickrell to Wisconsin thing was just rubbing salt in the wound for Ohio State fans. I thought that was hilarious because like everybody's complaining like they're oh let's hire Luke Fickle, fire Ryan Day right now, and then like literally the next day Wisconsin out of the blue hires Luke Fickle. No, like I, I don't really think I think if Ohio State really wanted Luke Fickle, if he's not going to stay at Wisconsin over coming to Ohio State, like I, I just don't think that's reality. But um. You know, at the same time, it's just it's hilarious that Ohio State fans are this pissed at Ryan Day and um, he they just went and hired Luke Fickle. <laughs> but um, so that, that one that one, uh, you know, really stuck out to me. And I honestly like that's a great move from Wisconsin. It's like a, it's a big boy move to go and hire kind of a, a star or a young star and try to play it with the big leagues, especially uh, after kind of getting that that new big 10 money i don't i, don't, I have no idea what luke fickle's contract is going to look like over there but um it's it's one of those moves that you like to see from a competitor like actually you know trying to win so that's that's a big one um you know outside of that there's still going to be a lot of coaching carousel news but uh lane kiffin staying at ole miss he's just playing the game he's cashing another check like we talked about last week, he's dude's just a mercenary and I respect it. Like all he wants is his money. Um, he'll just go wherever, wherever he follows, but um, maybe, maybe he can come to Ohio state. You know, I, I said, I said, uh, I don't want him anywhere near my program, but at least it'd be fun. <laughs> you know, I'd, 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 I'd love, I'd love a Lane Kiffin press conference after a loss to Michigan. It'd be entertaining at least. So um, 
I don't know, but I I think there's probably still going to be a lot of movement. We we haven't even really seen what's really going to be interesting on the Ohio State side of things is when um, lower tier jobs start opening up, like lower tier head coaching jobs, like a um, school like group of five schools and stuff like that, because that's where you're going to see maybe some Ohio State assistants uh, be candidates for some of those those lower tier jobs potentially. Um, so it even guys like Brian Hartline or something like that, that Ohio state fans really don't want to see leave, um, could be, you know, candidates for some of those jobs. So that's, those are the jobs to really watch for Ohio state. I don't think, uh, outside of that, um, anything crazy is going to happen. Yeah. I was going to, uh, I kind of stole my thunder a little bit. I wanted to talk about Brian Hartline, but that, that was my big concern too, is that he's, he really seems to have developed every receiver that has come through since he's taken over and has made that receiver the presumptive best receiver in college football. Uh, To be fair, he's had some really good quality talent to work with in that regard, but not every it doesn't happen every time that the number one prospect turns out to be the number one player as well. I, I guess I will ask from this perspective, switching back to the players a little bit though. I mentioned it during my first question with CJ Stroud the, the reality is it's now Caleb Williams is winning the Heisman, right? I mean, th- there's almost no chance Stroud still wins this thing because of that Michigan game, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing that he has going for him is that um, it, it's after championship weekend. And so if Caleb Williams comes out and lays an absolute egg against Utah, uh, you know, it, then I have no idea who would win the Heisman. But um, it probably is. It's it's at least Caleb Williams is to lose at this point because he played a great game uh, and against Notre Dame and um, CJ Stroud obviously didn't play a horrible game, but they lost and that's going to cost him the game or cost him the Heisman. So it, it probably is Caleb Williams is to lose. Talk with Kevin Harris, right from me at midfield, awful announcing him to come back here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios and. Of course, to uh, look ahead to this week, we, of course, know Ohio State will not be playing in a Big Ten title game. They'll have to wait and see what the future holds. Top four of the college football playoff rankings, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. Ohio State at five, Bama at six because, you know, it's Bama. They kind of have to be at six. That's the law of college football. So what exactly are the scenarios that could happen that lead to Ohio State being in obvious, most obvious would be if you have C, if USC loses in the Pac-12 title game, that'll be their second loss. But the three teams ahead of them, though, still all undefeated. So they could theoretically lose and kind of just create more chaos because, if if Georgia somehow does lose to LSU, we're not keeping Georgia out. If Michigan somehow loses to Purdue, they're probably not going to keep Michigan out. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think we're going to happen? What what can happen? I guess that would lead to Ohio State eventually being in. I think probably either TCU or USC losing would get Ohio State into the playoff. TCU is less um, less guaranteed than um, a a USC, but I, the committee hasn't really loved TCU. They just kind of have them there because they're undefeated and it sucks that they have that extra data point and would lose and to think that like they would lose and be kept out because they played an extra game. Um, but I think that could realistically happen uh, just because their analytics really like Ohio state 
besides like outside of that Michigan game, if USC loses, I think that Ohio State is definitely in. Um, you know, I, the way the committee talked about USC and Ohio State, they even considered keeping Ohio State above USC before they ultimately went with USC ahead of Ohio State because the USC's loss to Utah was a very narrow loss and Ohio State's loss to Michigan was a uh, more, much more lopsided loss. And so they went with USC at four instead of Ohio State. But it was at least a conversation that a one-loss Ohio State to Michigan should be ahead of a one-loss USC to Utah. So that tells me that if USC loses, Ohio State will be in. And like I said, I kind of feel the same way with, with TCU. The way that TCU's schedule has been, um, it, it's not it's not quite as um, strong as Ohio State's or even USC's. And so I, I've been saying this for a long time. I think you I think TCU would have to go undefeated to make the playoff, whereas like I think Ohio State could afford to lose to even a Penn State or something like that and still make the playoff or a Notre Dame or whatever. But like based on TCU's schedule strength and the way that they haven't really controlled games, I think they're going to have to be undefeated to get in. Um, maybe that changes when push comes to shove and um, depending on how they might lose or whatever, I, I really don't know. Um, but I think a loss to Kansas state would probably knock them out too. And what's funny is like, if you're looking at, you know, the Vegas predictions or even like some of the advanced stats predictions of these games, there's like a, a strong chance that one of those outcomes happens because you're looking at like, it's almost 50%. It's almost a coin flip. Both of these games are, um, and so you're asking for one of them to happen. It's like, it's a, it's a decent chance. Like it's, it's almost like more often than not, if you play these games, one of those two teams would lose. So um, hilariously, Ohio state does kind of seem to be sitting kind of pretty um, with a chance to get into the playoff here. And in fact, like most playoff predictors heading into this weekend, put Ohio state is having more it's more likely that ohio state makes the playoff than either tcu or usc it's it's hilarious the way the math works out but like technically since ohio state just needs one of those two outcomes and both of those teams have to win a coin flip game to get in um technically speaking ohio state probably has a higher statistical probability of making the playoff than either usc or tcu they just don't control their own destiny So I, I guess my question with that would then be, if they don't control their own destiny, are are t are the predictors that confident that one of these two might actually drop this weekend between TCU and USC? Well, yeah, I mean it's it it just comes down to math because like, um, it comes down to Ohio State. It's like if you have a coin and you're flipping a coin because that's how that's how basically both of these matchups are seen: Kansas State versus TCU and Utah versus USC. And so USC needs to win and TCU needs to win. And so that's one coin flip. They have to win one coin flip. And Ohio State, to get in, just needs one of those two teams to lose. And so they essentially just need to win one of two coin flips. And so based on that logic, like Ohio State actually has a better chance of getting in than either of the two teams. It It's a, it's a tricky situation, but like Ohio State's just sitting home at watching and needing one of these two teams to lose a coin flip game. And that's the way the computers see it. So if you even go to like the ESPN playoff predictor, like 538 or whatever, um, you'll see that like Ohio State has a shockingly high uh, chance of making the playoff 
compared to like for not playing this weekend but um that's why it's just because they do th the computers do think that it is at least like close to 50 percent likely that um usc loses and close to 50 percent likely that um that uh that um tcu also loses so it, it it it's just one of those like math statistical things but um yeah it's it's it does seem to be at least probable or there's a chance that both that one of those teams loses could even be both of those teams and i don't think the, the committee really wants that at all because uh then you got to figure out what to do maybe ohio state and alabama end up getting in but um it's 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 certainly not out of the realm of possibility that one of those teams loses and Ohio State kind of backs their way in. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, Ryder from Meet at Midfield. Awful announcing and of the comeback here into the Fricker's Zoom room. And you mentioned it when we talked initially about the different playoff rankings, but I think it is good to hear and good to, I guess, make note of for whatever the future of the current four team playoff holds. And then when they expand what that'll hold as well. And it is the fact that they considered putting Ohio state over USC, even with Ohio state, of course, coming off the loss. USC also has one loss. Both are good losses. Cause they're to like ranked teams or not to like an unranked team, but it just, it, it throws into the question of, considering when a team loses as well because Ohio State loses last week it's looked at very poorly whereas if you're to lose early in the season whether it's a good loss or a bad loss it can negate things just because of how the distance is created from the start of the year because I don't think anyone's thinking oh Ohio State barely beat Notre Dame this year and then Notre Dame lost and because the, there's so many what ifs you then have to think about after the fact. So there's not really a question in that. It's just my general reaction to hearing that the committee is starting to actually kind of look at things on a true cul culmination rather than truly as week by week as it kind of is when you have to put out rankings like they do every week. Yeah, and you know, the reality is that like you it kind of looks that way. Um, but like the reality is that like Oregon would be sitting pretty right now. They'd be like they'd be in the field pretty decidedly. Um I mean, I, they'd probably still need to win or whatever, but like they'd probably be the number 3 team in the country if they were, you know, they had not lost another game or struggled a little bit down the stretch and they only had that blowout loss to Georgia, they'd be totally fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that just kind of speaks to to where we're at is like, I think Oregon would be sitting prettier than even Ohio State would be right now. They would probably be ahead of Ohio State right now because that loss came earlier in the season, even though it was a very ugly loss, it came early in the season. And so I, I think kind of the same way, if Ohio State had lost to Notre Dame really early in the season and beaten Michigan, um, we're probably having a different conversation here. I think Ohio State's probably decidedly ahead of USC. So, um, yeah, it is It is about when you lose, too. And th to be fair, the committee hasn't really hid that. Um, they want to get the four best teams in the country at the end of all of this. And sometimes that happens to be the four best teams right now and not. they don't really care who the best team was in September. And on some levels, I feel like that's correct. You know, like I, I don't really care what a team looked like in you know early september i care about what it would do 
when it actually lines up to play in a, a playoff game. So um, I don't really have a problem with that, but um, you know, when you're trying to evaluate teams, it, it should matter. And the, the good news for the committee right now is that USC is either going to avenge that loss to Utah and kind of prove that, um, you know, they are better and that that was a fluke or whatever, or they're going to lose to Utah for the second time this season and prove they're actually not better than Utah. And so you should go with Ohio state instead. So it's really, I think it's going to work out pretty cleanly for them, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's absolutely what it is, is it does matter when you lose. All right. So I, I said off air that you kind of want to watch things burn and I'm a little bit of an agent of chaos. And as I mentioned, I have a lot of, a lot of Notre Dame fans, in my life. So I, I did do a little hypothetical chaosing. Um, uh, I'm curious, do you see any scenario, obviously championship weekend, but people like Clemson losing, do you see a scenario where things go absolutely nuts and you could potentially have Alabama also get in to this college football playoff? Or at this stage, if both TCU and USC lose, is it really just Ohio State and then maybe like a Tennessee or a Bama or a potentially even a Utah or something like that that squeaks in? Or What is your chaos version of the college football playoff where just like everybody loses? Let's say even Michigan somehow blows it against Purdue. Unlikely, but what if kind of thing. Do you have a chaos bracket yet? I think, I think that Georgia and Michigan are, are safe. It's just about seeding wherever they lose or if, if they if they lose or anything like that. Um, it's just about seeding for them. I think if TCU and USC lose, people might not like it, but I think that Ohio State and Alabama would get in. I really do. Um, I don't see a team behind Alabama getting into the mix. Uh, and it's it, it's made it pretty they've made it pretty clear that it's like Ohio State and Alabama can't add to their resume this week. So um, it would be Ohio State, then Alabama. But I think if TCU and USC kind of lose decisively, that's kind of as chaotic as you can get. Um, I think that you would see Alabama and Ohio State get in because the way that LSU lost to um, Tennessee is without Hendon Hooker and has a second loss. I, I don't think that there's any other team that could emerge. And I, I, I Honestly, you're looking at history and stuff too. Like, the committee would gladly put in Ohio State and Alabama over <laughs> TCU or uh, or USC in that situation. So, um, I, I I think that if all if all chaos comes comes to fruition, I I think that that would be what was hap- what would happen. The interesting conversation would be if TCU and USC lose, are you going to go with TCU as a one loss team that lost its championship game its conference championship game that alabama didn't even play are you really going to put tcu are you you really going to put a two loss alabama team in over a one loss tcu team i think that's a very interesting conversation um i think maybe they would but i i think that would be the the very interesting uh conversation if, if if both of those teams lose um because then I, I think in that conversation, Ohio State would probably be squarely in, and then it would be TCU versus Alabama for that last spot. But um, that's that's about as crazy as it can get. I don't see anybody else outside of Alabama really coming up and making it a 
making any sort of push towards it. I think Clemson's out. I think Tennessee's out. I think LSU's out. Um, really, nobody else can can get into that mix. I don't think. Now, now I will say my my crate my crazy chaos theory one actually did involve somehow Notre Dame had they upset USC actually making it to the college football playoff. I got yeah, that would that would have been interesting. I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure I went full Pepe Silvia. <laughs> I did it, but it, it, it's interesting because uh, this year especially, and I really would like your thoughts because we also have the um, the Rose Bowl giving the deadline of end of day today for the college football playoff to confirm what they want to do for going forward to 2024 with the expansion. Uh, it when you see chaos brackets like that, is this something where it just kind of justifies the expansion and it makes it make more sense where it's like, okay, we need more teams to be present and be able to be represented in the college football playoff. Or is it just, you know, one of those crazy years where just anything could and did happen. Yeah. I think like when you move to a 12 team playoff, you're just getting more quality games and, I think that a lot of people like to assume that things can happen in college football or things will happen in college football, especially among like the top teams. You just assume that, you know, some of these teams are just unbeatable or that there's like only three good teams in college football. But like, that's really not what we've seen, especially this year. And so I think when you add more teams, more quality teams to the mix, you're probably going to see a couple surprising results. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a proponent of that. Um, and like you even see across the country, like Ohio state lost to Michigan, uh, Georgia struggled with a lot of teams this year, almost losing to Missouri. Um, you know, Michigan almost lost to Illinois, uh, just looking across the country. Like there have been surprising results. Alabama lost two games this year. And so like, you're, you're talking about before the season, the narrative was kind of that Georgia and Ohio state and Alabama were just like transcendent and nobody was going to beat them. And when you're looking at it, only one of those teams is like guaranteed to make the playoff right now. Um, so I, I think that just adding more games that the, those teams could lose is going to be great for college football. I, I, I think that that would be a very exciting playoff. Like a lot of people are saying, oh, we can't even find four deserving teams. It's like, well, no, that's because they're beating each other. You know, like I, I think there's there's 12 teams that could make a run at the college football playoff this year. Like there's no problem finding 12 teams that can make a run at the college football playoff this year. So I, I am a big fan of expansion and I think it's going to lead to a lot of fun games, even if it doesn't necessarily lead to different results, you know, like maybe Georgia's still going to win the national title in a 12 team playoff. Maybe, um, it'll be Alabama or Ohio state instead, but like, it's going to be a lot more fun getting there and it's going to produce a lot more quality football. And just think if USC loses and TCU loses, there is a chance that the first round of the playoff would be Georgia against Bama and Ohio State against Michigan round two. Wouldn't that be funny? Just all around big. You're, you're talking about the super conferences. That would do a lot for the super conference narrative that Ohio's or that the Big Ten and the SEC are just becoming the, the super mega conferences in college football when you've got the semifinals as essentially a a um a playoff game, you know, between between conferences. But honestly, like that's also like a perfect scenario for Ohio state fans too. I know I've seen a lot of people and I was among them like Ohio state doesn't deserve to make the playoff after playing that game. But like, here's the thing. If Ohio state makes the playoff and ends up playing Michigan in the playoff, that's a perfect scenario because either it's going to expedite things with Ryan day 
and he's going to become the first coach to in Ohio State history to lose to Michigan twice in one season, and that's not going to look good, and his seat's going to get warmer even quicker, or he's going to immediately avenge the loss in the most hilarious way possible, and um, you know he'd, he'd get a win, and, and actually a more meaningful win against Michigan in, in the rivalry, so... Um, you know, I've gone back and forth on it, but I think that's exactly what Ohio State fans should be rooting for at this point is that rematch with Michigan because there's that's really a no no win or no lose scenario uh for Ohio State there. This has been Kevin Harris, Ryder from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback. We of course follow you on Twitter at Kevinish and now on TikTok at hi I am Kevin. Thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us and we'll catch up next week to see exactly what all happens. Sounds good. Talk to you later. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Old Fort Head Boys basketball coach Eric Hoover here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a 25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Bigby Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you. And her. And him. You see, here at Bigby, we can customize our drinks for each person. Dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced, or frozen. Bigby Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB and Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Cobbin here with you until 7.30. The Old Four Stockaders are getting their season underway this week. Like many teams in the area, they'll play their first league game on Friday when they host Tiffin Calvert. You can hear that matchup Friday night on Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. We're now pleased to be joined here by Old Ford Head Boys basketball coach Eric Hoover here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Great. How are you? I'm um, doing pretty good. Thank you again for, for taking the time to talk with us. We uh, very much appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, for you, as someone who coaches really all year round between volleyball, basketball, and baseball, do things finally for you now feel uh, truly back to normal compared to what we've had to deal with the last few years? 
Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think everybody's moved on from that. And, uh, you know, I, you know, we don't make any sort of, uh, there's no special rules or anything like there were and everything for, for a few years. And we're, we're, we're back to normal operating there that way. And, uh, Hopefully people are a little more aware of taking care of themselves and uh, trying to avoid different types of illnesses and, you know, doing a better job of eating healthy and getting better rest. And hopefully we'll, we've learned that. Oh, well, to my credit coach, I, I've learned the kind of paying attention to illnesses. I, I, I still eat like I'm a sophomore in college. It's terrible, <laughs> but we're working on that part. We're, we're, we're working on that. That'll be the next step. Though I, I am curious, Lance alluded to it a little bit, you are one of those people that coaches year round. So I'll ask you from that perspective, how easy is the transition from one sport to the next for yourself from a coaching perspective? I mean, obviously you, you kind of, kind of have your hands in a lot of different cookie jars when it comes to coaching around the area. So I'm just curious for you, what, what does that transition look like? Does it take a little bit or at this point, is it really just old hat for you? You just kind of roll right into it. A little of both. Uh, I'd say uh, each season is different. You know, the transitions are different from one to the next, but this is year 12 of doing it. So uh, we've got a lot of you know things in place where everybody knows what to expect. And uh, I get good help from my assistant coaches and, um, you know, everybody, everybody's on the same page. So that makes it easier. Uh, there's a little more uh, time between volleyball and basketball so that that's a uh, depending on how far you make it in the tournament so this year we played district finals and that was the day before basketball season officially started so, uh, but in between basketball and baseball there's always overlap uh, baseball starts in the middle of February and we're still obviously in, the, in basketball season so uh, need a little more help uh, get started from my assistants but with scheduling um, you know being able to schedule it at different times, I can just make two practices in a day if need be, and uh, we we work it out that way. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Sports, Matt Common, talking with Old Ford Head Boys basketball coach Eric Hoover. And you have to replace some production of some seniors who very key players for you over the last handful of years. Colin Nutter, Miles Miller, Casey Klaus, and there's a handful of other guys that were important players for you as well. How do you even start to replace what some of those guys gave you? Because it's very unlikely you're going to have another six foot seven player that can play the way Colin Nutter did. Have him walk into the gym, you know, the way Colin was able to as a freshman. Yeah, it's uh, you don't really you know replace somebody like that. We just we're just going to do things differently. You know, we had not only him, but like you said, those other guys you mentioned were outstanding players and, and three and four year players. So. Uh, can never replace the experience, let alone the uh, the talent and the ability. So, um, but we have we have good athletes. We have good we have good basketball players. You know, they've um, got an extra year, I guess, to prepare before coming up on on JV. Some of these guys. So, um, and then they've had good years on JV. So, so they're ready to roll. You know, we we do a lot of the same things. Um, defensively, we're, we do a lot of the same things. So. So they're up to speed there. Uh, we just keep that throughout the throughout the high school program, and uh, so so they're ready to go. Uh, 
offensively. Obviously, we're going to have to change some things this year compared to what we've done in the past. You know, we, we've been pretty big the last really four or five years. So for, for Old Ford, at least. Um, so we've got to change our offensive style a little bit and, and adapt to, to the talent we have and and go from there. Well, well, coach, I will definitely say you stole a bit of my thunder there. I was going to ask, do you see offensively you guys transitioning more to a spread the floor and getting it more on the outside kind of team this year? Although, to be fair, it looking at the roster as it stands right now, it does look like you guys still have some height and some decent big bodies in there. So uh, could we possibly see a little bit of a hybrid of the two, maybe a little more outside, but still seeing that was become kind of the standard for Old Fort the last few years, really attacking the paint as well? Um, yeah, we're gonna, we'll, we'll be a lot more outside oriented for sure. Uh, we, we have some, you know, six, three, six, two guys, but they're guards and <laughs> they're, you know, they're 140 pounds. So, uh, they're, <laughs> I wouldn't call them big bodies, uh, necessarily. Uh, they're just happen to be, you know, they're, they're lanky, you know, tall and lanky. So, um, we don't really have a true post player. So it'll be a lot of outside oriented and, uh, um, kind of back to what we did more when, uh, when we first got there and, and really, uh, really push the pace and, uh, uh, you know, try to make the game hectic and, uh, and as fast paced as possible. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB, Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Old Ford Head Boys basketball coach Eric Hoover. And you mentioned with the offensive change and obviously with the senior class you have to replace from last year, lots of guys will be in different roles, even with those guys that are returning from last year's team. Who are some of the guys that you are expecting to transition into more key roles that either were, you know, off the bench guys or different roles from the last season or two? Well, we have five returning lettermen. Um, you know, a few of them were very limited minutes, but um, we're able to get in there at times through illnesses and injuries and, and play a significant role for us. And uh, But the Two seniors, Adam Majors, um, has kind of been an off an off guard, more of a defensive guy. Didn't really have to do much for us on offense uh, the last couple of years. Now he's going to run point guard. So that's a, kind of a, a big transition for him. You know, he's done it, um, you know, all through his life until last year. So he's, he's doing a good job um, with that, and, and he's going to have to take on more of a scoring role for us. Uh, Pearson Steyer is another – Senior, my only other senior who you know, was basically a defender for us last year, and uh, he's another one. He's going to have to be a leader. He's going to have to get out there and uh, help provide some offense and maybe create some offense for others through his his good basketball instincts. So um, those are two guys for sure. Some of the guys that also were letter winners, Carter Dubois, uh, you know, just came in, played a little defense, was very spotty, you know. Played a majority of JV, but when he came in, uh, we needed him. To, he had some shooting ability, so we got him out there and gave him an opportunity to help extend the floor a little bit, so they didn't quite uh, uh, clamp down so much on our inside game last year. And and now he's gonna he's gonna have to be one of our main scorers. I mean, we're gonna have a, a good variety. I think uh, we have probably five six guys who could lead us in scoring on a different night, and uh, we're pretty good at sharing the ball. So. 
Um, I think that's going to help there. Uh, Isaiah Perez was another one last year. He's had a couple good years on JV. I got a couple starts for us last year when we were uh, depleted through illness and injury and, and did a good job. But, uh, you know, he's going to have a much more prominent role and find himself playing, you know, pretty close to 32 minutes probably, uh, helping run the point and, uh, you know, being a pest on defense. So those, those are the main guys I think that are really going to have to change their role and really step up for us to be as good as we want to be. And, and coach, with that transition, I got to imagine tr- transitioning more to outside, transitioning in terms of the t- players that you have coming in. Uh, two-part question, e- even though they may have been limited minutes because of injuries, because of other health things going on throughout the past couple of years, them getting those minutes, them, those players gain those, that time, obviously that certainly helps things in the transition, I would imagine, that the other part, how much does that then make you as a coach and from a coaching perspective rely on, okay, we're, we're going to be tinkering with our offense a good bit. We've really got to clamp down on our defense and make sure it's shut down still. Yeah, we, we've been uh, really – harping on that quite a bit, you know, the last five years, uh, you know, you're going to have off bad offensive games. And, and if you can just keep yourself in the game and give yourself a chance to win, uh, you know, by playing better defense. And uh, I think we've really lowered our, our defensive average and done a pretty good job of making things difficult. And, um, you know, they've, they've really bought into that and, and uh, are, are doing a great job with that. Um, so, so I think we throw a variety of things at people, and, and uh, you know, especially as the season goes on, I think having a variety of, of defenses when you can mix it up on people and keep make them have to keep make adjustments throughout the game uh, really can help, especially as scouting reports get on and you, you go through the second round of the league and they have a pretty good idea. Uh, you might play we might play a completely different defense the second time we play somebody than we did the first time. Uh, you know, which makes it hard to prepare. Uh, so the kids got, really have to be aware of what's going on. They have to know everything very well. And, uh, you know, they have to really stay focused and practice to make sure everybody is doing their job because everybody, if one person breaks down, um, you know, then the whole, the whole team defense breaks down. Talking with Old Fort Head Boys basketball coach Eric Hoover here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And you mentioned some of the guys that will step up into new roles from last season, but who are some of the young guys? And maybe they might be JV players for you this year, or maybe they'll find some time at the varsity level. But who are some of those young guys, either some freshmen or some sophomores, to keep an eye on? Maybe not necessarily this year, but at least moving forward over the next year or two. Yeah, we have uh... – so some of the other guys stepping up to the varsity level this year, you know, Ryan Allsberger is a sophomore. Um, he's going to be a varsity player for us this year. He's, he's grown quite a bit. He's 6'2". He's put, put a good amount of time in uh, working on his game in the offseason. And, uh, you know, he's knowledgeable about the game, and, and he's going to help us, you know, score the ball a little bit and give us another, another scoring threat. And, uh, so I think he's one, one that could really help us out a lot. Um, Carter Cleveland was will be his his first year on varsity. And he's our he's our tallest player at six three. He's a guard. He's been a guard his whole life. Uh, but he he's very intelligent. Uh, you know, knows the game very well and makes a lot of you know instinctual plays. Um, and you know, he made 
nine threes in a game last year in, in a JV game. So you know, he can shoot the ball a little bit as well. And, uh, you know, so that's going to just give us a, another, another threat. Um, so I think JV wise, we have mostly freshmen and, uh, and a couple sophomores. So uh, I think the, the freshmen is a, is a talented group. Um, you know, they're, they're a bit quiet yet and hopefully they're learning from the energy that the, the varsity guys are, are bringing every day and, and they'll start picking up on that because they have a lot of potential uh, as a talented group. They got some some bigger, again, bigger, lankier guards. And uh, and I think, you know, they're going to just kind of fit right into what we're doing with a varsity squad uh, this year and uh, be able to con continue that in the future. And coach, I'm always curious because I, we've we've been to Old Fort a couple times, and it's a great venue. Always have a blast going and covering games in Old Fort. Um, what would you say the fans and that home gym gives you guys for an advantage night in and night out? Because it, it it's a fun venue, but it's also one of those very high quality old school gymnasiums that you don't see too often nowadays. Re really seems to set the tone nicely for a game every night there. Yeah, we, we love our, we love our gymnasium. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's an outstanding place to play. Um, you know, you can, you can get really big crowds in there and uh, our student section is, is, is awesome. You know, they, they really get into the games and um, you know, that's, that's helpful. The community is really into the games, you know, people that have no, no kids involved, no grandkids involved. They're just, they just come to the games. That's, that's what you do. Um, and Old Fort, and so um, you know that's not only the gym itself, but just gives a sense of you know a big sense of pride, and uh, you know really helps to motivate you and uh, make you want to play even harder and and protect that home court. Um, you know we're pretty proud of our of our gym and our facility and uh, and our basketball program, and and that goes throughout the community, and so uh, the kids really feed into that and you know they when they get compliments around the community from people they don't even know but they saw them playing a game you know that that means a lot and um, it really helps to keep the program going and friday night you open up sbc river play when you guys take on calvert what are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing in that matchup on friday yeah we always have good games with calvert uh you know so we've been uh, us two have really been kind of in control of the league in the last uh, six years, I guess. Um, and uh, so it's, it's been a, it's been a battle and uh, you know, they've had an, had just had an outstanding group of seniors graduate as did we. So um, we'll both be, we'll both be with a different look, but uh, you know, coach Otterbacher does a great job and, um, I'm sure they're going to do a lot of the same things they've been doing as have we. So we'll know each other pretty well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's always a good game. Uh, we'll see. Everybody's going to have to, both of us are going to have to have different people step up and, and do a lot more than they've, they've done in the past at the varsity level. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who, uh, who steps up for each team. And uh, I haven't seen, got to see too much of them yet because obviously it's so early and they're all new and we have a game uh, tomorrow first. So, uh, but I'll, I'll 
get more heavy into them uh, probably tomorrow night after our game and, uh, and get ready to roll. So I don't, I don't know a lot about individuals yet, especially since they're all new. So, but it's, you know, it's going to be a, a, you know, an outstanding game, a very competitive game, you know, high intensity, certainly uh, for the first game out of the gate in the league to open up with them. So we're, we're excited about it. And coach last one I got for you. You, First one being against Tiffin Calvert, you already mentioned excited about that. Lots of new players on that team as well. Both, both of you guys having really talented senior classes move on. I am curious though, about what really boils down to a crosstown rivalry that has gotten a lot more intense over the years. Are, are you expecting that same kind of atmosphere Friday night, or are you thinking maybe, okay, both teams in transition, maybe a little bit of a reset and it goes back to a, uh, how to say this, uh, a slightly more friendly rivalry <laughs> once again between the two Tiffin schools. Yeah, no, I don't really think so. <laughs> good, good. Be, That's uh, the right I, answer. <laughs> I think it'll still be uh, highly intense. I mean, we're both, we both want to compete for a league title still. And so, you know, we kind of got to go uh, through each other um, as, as just one of the stepping stones to get there. I think our league is, is going to be more well-balanced um this year than it has maybe the last you know, you know four or five years um but you know i as far as us and calvert go i mean these guys like i said they've both had outstanding jv seasons the last two years and they were the, you know they were the biggest game against each other in the jv level the last couple of years so, um you know it's the same guys that have been competing against each other and you know they know each other and you know they're gonna be they're gonna be ready to roll i don't think uh I don't think it loses any intensity as, as people move on. I think, uh, you know, the both both uh, fan fan groups and, and kids are still going to have that same intensity, and um, it's going to be a fun one. And when you say intensity, that, of course, reminds me of your time with the coach Roger Jury, now over at Hopewell Loudon, uh, someone you've interacted with. I forget if you – did you play for him and coach with him or just one of those? He he was uh, the JV coach when I was in high school. Okay, so you have so you have pl- you have played under him before. What are some of the things, or what is the one big thing you remember about him back in that day versus what he's like now? Is it picture perfect, the same, or has he changed in some different ways from when you were a kid? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> I, I, very similar. I think I don't think he's changed much at all. You know, he's had a lot of success, and there probably wasn't a whole lot for him to sort of change. You know. Um, so he is high, highly intense. You know, I, I never had him as my coach, as the JV coach, but, um, but I could always, even during practice when they're at the other end and, and we're at one end of the floor, it, it was just, he's down there highly intense, um, into every practice, just like he was into every game, just like you see him on the sidelines of every game still, um, you know, 20, I don't know how many years ago that was, 26 <laughs> years later. So um, he still has that same intensity and fire for, for basketball. And uh, he's brought that and helped bring that to Hopewell. And, and I think they're, they're set up for an outstanding year. They have a, you know, a bunch of talented kids and uh, they had a really good year last year. Um, so uh, he's doing a great job, Coach Jerry over there. And, uh, you know, he's, He's the same guy, and he, he still has that love, and he's, he's passed that on to a lot of different programs over the years. I, I, okay, now I do have one more since 
Coach Jury somehow got brought up in the mix. Now, the real question is not just the intensity. Is the general fear or threat of a chair being flung at you the same level as it was back in the day versus it is today? Because I got to tell you, I just did a game over at Hopewell last Friday night. They had a very comfortable lead. There were still moments where I felt like I needed to duck and cover <laughs> on a couple occasions. The, the, does that general fear still exist with Coach Jury, Coach Players, even though they've moved on? Like, you know what? He, he's intense. But as soon as you see that vein starts to pop, I might need to duck because there could be a chair coming my way. <laughs> I guess because I know him. Like, I, I, I don't have that fear. I know he's you know, the, the type of guy he is, he's a, he's a good guy and he's not gonna, he's not gonna, you know, overreact to, to that point, you know? So, um, oh no. Maybe because, of, because of my history, I, I'm not, I don't have that, that fear of him. And, and maybe because he wasn't actually like, I wasn't on his team. And I, I, I did feel a little bit bad for the guys at the other end a few times. <laughs> um, uh, but, but I think, you know, yeah, he, he just brings that intensity and uh, it's fun to watch. Um, you know, it's great. It's great for the kids. I think it helps helps them get going, and uh, you know they know how much he cares about the game and how much he you know he wants to win, and uh, he really you know cares about the kids and does a lot for, for whatever program he's been involved in over the years. I think that's just more evidence of it for for the kids. This has been Old Ford Head Boys Basketball Coach Eric Hoover. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us, and good luck on Friday against Calvert. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Old Fort girls basketball coach Tim Ritzler here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks, frickin' chicken chunks. When there's no time to make food for your holiday party, carry out four pounds of frickin' chicken chunks for only $34.99. Give the gift that always fits a $25 Frickers gift card and get five freaking bonus bucks free. Let them get what they really want. It's 10 p.m. and oh shoot, you didn't make that appointment for your aching knee. Guess what? Northwest Ohio Orthopedics is making it easier for patients to schedule their appointments. Online scheduling is now available. Hop online and schedule right away with whatever day and time works best for you and your family. The new online scheduling benefit is available at all six NWO locations. Finlay, Tiffin, Fremont, Fastoria, Bluffton, and Bowling Green. NWO is always working to make things easier for their patients. Go online, schedule, and bam, done. Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations. Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner, and I'm the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health, for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and Body Works 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T, dot training at gmail.com. 
Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Cobbin here with you until 7.30 tonight. The old Fort Stockaders currently 1-0 on the season after getting a win to start their year against Seneca East. They will play Sandusky St. Mary on Saturday afternoon. We're now pleased to be joined here by Old Fort Head Girls Basketball Coach Tim Ritzler here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? Doing good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thank you again for, for taking the time to talk with us. And obviously haven't been uh, too deep into the season uh, just yet as we're still in the end of November. So what was it like for you and your team in uh, getting ready to start this season, you know, over the summer and then uh, leading up to the start of the year? Uh, you know, it's been, it's been a long time coming. You know, we were excited to get that first game under our belts last week. Um, really, our biggest thing was kind of gelling as a team. We lost six seniors last year. We really only returned two girls that played significant varsity minutes. So really, our focus was kind of getting the girls playing together, kind of getting gelled, you know, building that team chemistry where we've got two starters back in Macy Miller and Addie Gilmore, and then getting the other girls up to speed on varsity. And then we had two transfers come in getting them acquainted to kind of our system and what we do and everything in our program and fitting them all in on the team. And um, obviously with the results last Monday, it was, it was a success. We came out, I thought we played really, really well as a team. And so that was kind of our main focus. So that was probably the most exciting thing to see after game one. Yeah. And coach, you talk about that uh, turnover really with the senior leadership, Uh, how do you feel again, er, very early stages, how do you feel that development has been in terms of team team chemistry as you went through training camp, going through the preseason, now getting the uh, regular season started in earnest here? Uh, really good. I, I just feel like we have a really unselfish group of girls. Um, like I so said, we had two transfers come in, Ryan Smith from St. Joe and Lexi Quickle from Columbia, and they pretty much fit in immediately. Uh, you know, we did a, a trip over the summer. We did an overnight trip, and, you know, it was like they'd been on the team the whole time. Like, they fit right in with the girls. The girls welcomed them and, and really made them feel a part of the team right from the beginning. And so I think that's kind of what led to some of the success we had uh, last week was there was never any, you know, animosity between new girls coming in, new girls stepping up. It was just pretty much like, let's go play basketball. You guys are here. Let's go do this. And and really that that's a tribute to the girls that we have in the program. Just their whole attitude about everything was, you know, we're, we're all here for the same goal. We're all here to work hard and be better and win. And, if, you know, they were welcoming to the girls, the new girls coming in. And really, I just think it was it was really good to see the chemistry on the court play out the way it did that first game. I think it kind of validates the girls with this is the way we want to do things and having a win where everybody's contributing, you know, whether it was new girls stepping up, Cameron Cleveland leading us in rebounds or, you know, Ryan coming in hitting the first shot of the game for us for breaking open the scoring was everybody contributed. And that's awesome to see. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talk with Old Fort Head Girls basketball coach Tim Ritzler. And you already mentioned it a little bit off the top with uh, the big win against Seneca East to start the season. So I guess you've already mentioned some of the good things you saw. What were the things that surprised you about your team, whether it was in a positive way or maybe things like, oh, I thought they'd have been a little better at this, but we'll work on that going forward. What are, what are some of those things that uh, that could be? Um, I guess the, the the biggest thing that we saw that we were I was really excited about was we shot the ball extremely well from three. I think we were 11 to 27, so we shot like 40% as a team. We had like five different girls hit an outside shot, so that was encouraging to see. But we actually shot better from three than we did two. So there were still some things like that that we need to work on. Um, our press, we were able to create some turnovers, but we were a little off on some of our rotations and things like that that we really have spent the last week really trying to shore up. 
that we need to do a better job of. We're, we're not a very big team. We're, we're fairly small. So pressing something we're going to have to be very good at. And I thought we could have done a better job last week. So that's something we've really focused on. Um, rebounding was the other thing. We got rebounded by Seneca. And again, I know we're a smaller team. Um, we don't have a ton of size, but rebounding something we got to be able to handle inside. And that'll be a challenge for us tonight. We play Fremont St. Joe tonight, who's got a couple of big girls inside that rebounding is really going to be a challenge for us and something we really have to focus on. And coach, you talk about the size of your team, just height wise, physically their size. Uh, do you see that as being something that's going to lead to you guys being more of an outside team? Or do you still really want to get that focus of still trying to attack the paint, still trying to be big on the rebounds and, make make that still a part of your team's game and not really abandon it in any capacity um you know it's going to be kind of a matchup thing you know if we feel like there's a matchup where we can take advantage and go inside that's something we're definitely going to try to do obviously like our post players are right now like you know our starting post players are ryan smith and mckenzie fortney ryan's a tremendous outside shooter and mckenzie's really quick and very athletic for a post player so it might be a little less of posting up and throwing the ball into the post and more trying to spread teams out and attack the basket that way where we can use our quickness. You know, obviously we got Macy running point who's very quick and can get to the basket. Eddie Gilmore can do a good job of it. Do we feel like our strength offensively might be to spread you out a little more and attack the basket that way? And if teams play zone and they start protecting the paint to keep us from driving, then that's going to open up the outside shooting for us. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Tim Ritzler, Old Fort head girls basketball coach. You mentioned it a little bit as well. Uh, one player you do bring back, of course, Macy Miller, third team all Ohio uh, last season as a sophomore. What can you say about the continued development you've seen from her and how she's been to start off the season? Um, you know, really happy with what I've seen from her. You know, she's a kid that spends a lot of time in the gym and really works on it. So obviously we're looking for improvement in shooting percentages and things like that. But I think with her having two years under her belt now, you're seeing her start to be a smarter basketball player. She's seeing the floor a little bit better and making passes up the floor in transition. Um, defensively, she's challenging herself to be a better defender. She's always been able to get steals and kind of make plays. But I, the challenge really, can you sit down and guard some of the better teams and some of the better players we're going to see this year. You know, we've got some tough non-league games as well as some tough league games. We've got some really good guards. Can she not only create turnovers, but sit down and defend somebody? So I think that's the other thing that she's really worked hard on. But coming out of the first game, she was really efficient scoring the ball. She scored 25 points on 19 shots. So really just being smart and knowing when the shots are there to take them and, and trying to be as efficient a player as possible. Hey, look at that efficiency. That, that kind of seems to be your bread and butter coach over the years has been just a very efficient play. Is that something that you have as a big value for your teams overall, where it's like, yeah, the, the scores may not be super high. Sometimes we have big nights, sometimes we don't, but having that efficiency is really where it is and where the key is to have successful runs. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, something we do preach daily is, is get good shots. You know, what's a good shot for one player might not be a good shot for another. So just kind of know your know your limitations, know what your strengths are as a player and go get shots that are good for you. Um, and obviously, like, you know, last year we were probably a much more defensive minded team where we felt like, hey, if we take care of the ball and get good shots on offense, our defense is going to carry us through. Where this year we're probably not quite as strong defensively, but we got a lot more firepower on offense. So we may pick up the pace a little bit more, try to speed up the game a little bit more, get more offensive positions to give our scores more chances to to score points. But that one thing we always preach is if you take care of the ball and get good shots, that's the main goal on offense, whether it's a good shot off a of one pass or it's a good shot off of five passes. We want to take care of the ball and get good shots each possession. Uh, so coach, don't mean to cut you off, Lance. I'll ask you then from a coaching perspective, 
I could only hit half court shots back when I played. So that, that <laughs> means if I was on your team, I'd get the green light to chuck it up from half court then, right? Uh, you know, maybe it depends on what your shooting percentage was. You know, we'd, we'd check it in practice. If you could hit a, a certain percentage, we'd maybe draw up a player two for you, or it might be, Hey, end of quarter call timeout. Let's draw one up for you to get that shot at the end of the quarter. See, I like that. You just didn't laugh me off immediately <laughs> at that fact. So I appreciate that coach. Thank you. <laughs> this is the NWO orthopedics sports auto here from the Fricker studios and classic. It's 96, seven WBVI ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt common talking with old Fort head girls, basketball coach, Tim Ritzler, and you mentioned it with some of the transfers that you've got in uh, for the first half of this season. Who are some of the other players that you may have mentioned already or some of the other players that uh, are going to step up and have some sort of role uh, for you on the varsity side throughout the year? You know, like we talked about, we have Macy and Addie back as returning starters and that. Um, Our other starters right now are senior Kennedy Guth, who played a little bit off the bench early last year and then had an injury and never, never quite recovered from that. Some other girls stepped up. Um, but she's starting for us this year at, at the other guard spot. And then Mackenzie Fortney's a sophomore who was really up and down last year as a freshman. She had some really good moments where she looked like the best player on the floor and ready to play varsity as a freshman. Um, but consistency was kind of her biggest thing. She's really had a great offseason and a great preseason, really stepped up and looked like the player we were hoping that she would be. Um, so I think she's probably one that's going to really step up and make some noise this year that a name that people will start to hear about as a sophomore. Um, then off the bench, we have Cameron Cleveland, who's a sophomore. I mentioned earlier, Cameron led us in rebounding the first game. She's really kind of taken pride in that. And her role coming off the bench is to go out there and play defense, try and get as many rebounds as she can. Um, another one that's coming off the bench for us is Alexis Ward. She was starting vars- or starting JV point guard last year. She's come in and is kind of playing backup point guard for us, but is also playing some point guard where we're moving Macy off the ball to the two, where maybe we can take some of the focus and attention off of her and Loser Lou is her nickname, has really done a good job of coming in and holding down the point guard position when either Macy's out or we move Macy to the wing. She sees the floor really well and has given us really good defense. Um, another one that's coming in is Ryan Benners, another junior we have that's going to play some minutes off the bench, um, especially the second half of the year once you know Ryan's eligibility and Lexi's eligibility runs out and they're not able to play the second half of the year. Ryan Benners, another one we're looking for to step up and probably really play some major minutes later in the season. You know, coach, you actually just brought something up that we we've experienced it a couple times with other teams over the past few years. And I'd be very curious your thoughts on it with the uh, transfer protocols, the the policies that are in place where it's only part of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just curious from a coaching perspective, is, is there a point where it is you're weighing the pros and cons of, do I want them in the start of the year to build that chemistry, to look towards next season when they're good or do I maybe want to hold them back for the second half of the year or better yet why do we have a half a year policy to begin with uh, that's maybe my two cents maybe maybe opinionating a little bit yeah. as opposed to journalism but I, I am very curious your thoughts on strategy how you kind of manage that and how you play off of either option in that situation and it's something you got to balance because you don't want to feel like you're punishing uh, the kid the first half of the season but you also like we talked like Ryan Benner someone's going to have to step up for us in the second half of the season so the goal of the first half of the season is get her some playing time get her in the varsity rotation get her some of that experience so that when we need her to play more minutes late in the year she's ready to go but at the same time you don't want to take away minutes from someone like Ryan or Lexi who deserve those minutes but you also got to balance being prepared for when you don't have them the second half of the year 
Um, I'm not a big fan of making kids sit. You only get four years of high school ball. You transfer for whatever reason you transfer for. I think it, you know, kind of unfairly punishes the kids. And I know you see it a lot more in big cities, teams trying to load up for tournament runs and things like that. But I just feel like a lot of situations, a kid only gets four years of high school. So taking half a year even away from them is, I think, a little unfair. But that's the rules that, that we have. And we'll, we'll we'll play with those rules and that this year. And we're excited for next year. But we got a lot of wins under to get this year as well. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB talking with Old Fort Head Girls basketball coach Tim Ritzler here in the Frickers Zoom room. And I know it's looking ahead a little bit. I know you got another game on the schedule, but you open up league play on Saturday when you take on Sandusky St. Mary. What are some of the things you'll be looking forward to seeing in that uh, first league matchup? Uh, really just coming out and like, so we getting a share of the league title last year. Um, our goal this year is to win it again. So you can't win the league title if you don't, you know, win, start with a win off the bat. So we want to get off to a good start there uh, against St. Mary. It's going to be a road one. So obviously we're going on the road to for league play there. And oh, really just excited to see the girls, how they respond on the road. You know, it's going to be a Saturday afternoon game against St. Mary's who had a rough year last year, but they've got a new coach this year. So I expect them to be improved and, We'll just really go focus on doing what we've got to do to get a, get a win to start the league's uh, slate. And, Coach, when it comes to starting off league play and all that, as mentioned already, you guys are going against Sandusky, St. Mary Central Catholic on that one to get things rolling. Um, from your perspective, newer-ish team that you guys have with the turnover they have from last year's squad, is it better to get that in-season, in-conference play started on the road so you kind of get rid of all the gremlins all at once of okay we're traveling it's our first in-conference game and it's gonna be an early afternoon game that is it better to kind of get those out of the way all at once so they're used to it or is it a little bit more preferable to be you know back back at a old fort high school on a thursday night or saturday evening to host that game um you know i guess it probably really depends on who you're opening with a little bit you know if we were opening with someone like say a lakota or Danbury, who I think are going to be the other two top teams at the top of the league, probably like to open up with the game at home, you know, get, get comfortable, try to get that big win. Um, going to St. Mary's Saturday afternoon, biggest thing is going to be energy. You know, Saturday afternoon games is usually a little more dead in a gymnasium. So coming out and playing with energy is going to be a big thing. So that's that'll kind of be the focus and wanting to get over that hump of, can we show up and play hard and play with the type of energy we know we need to play with? on a Saturday afternoon after a 40-minute, 45-minute bus ride up to Sandusky. So I think that's the challenge. And you said, you see that challenge really? Okay, if we can accomplish that challenge, then that, you know, next Saturday afternoon game, this may be a shorter trip, might seem a little bit easier because you're not on a bus for 45 minutes for the game. So I think that's the challenge. And like I said, you want to see how your team responds to adversity. So it's good to kind of see it early in the season and know what we have to adjust for the next one. This has been Old Fort Head Girls Basketball Coach Tim Ritzer. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck this season and good luck on Saturday against Sandusky St. Mary. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We'll be back shortly with more here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Everyone deserves a team of experts. Through Blanchard Valley Health System's membership with the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our doctors have access to the Mayo Clinic's knowledge, resources, and team of specialists. Our experts have experts, giving you the care you need close to home at no additional cost. For more information, please call 1-844-530-CARE. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. 
America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. We know what it takes. We've done it all. At Five Star Maintenance and Construction, we built our crew on the foundation of dedication, hard work, and pride. Pride in a job well done that exceeds our clients' expectations and is executed with precision from start to finish. Welcome to Five Star Maintenance and Construction. We have been a leader in the industry of property preservation and construction management in Northwest Ohio. Each division of Five Star has a seasoned team to tackle even the most challenging property preservation and a dedicated on-site property manager for each property. Five Star Maintenance. We know what it takes. You deserve a more empowering banking experience, and Premier Bank is giving you one. Earn $200 when you open a new simple checking account, and you'll enjoy easy mobile banking, no monthly account fees or minimum balance, and surcharge-free access to over 37,000 ATMs nationwide. Then get ready to enjoy $200 worth of, well, whatever you want. Visit yourpremierbank.com simple200 to view offer details. Premier Bank. Powered by people. Offer valid through September 30th. Member FDIC. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Lance Morse, Matt Common hanging out with you here. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing for joining us to talk Ohio State football along with Old Fort boys basketball coach Eric Hoover and Old Fort girls basketball coach Tim Ritzler. If you've missed any part of today's show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page, can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. We might not physically be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. So that can get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials, though, are dine-in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. You can find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, we don't have a whole lot of time before we go, but uh, you had quite the experience uh, watching football on Sunday, did you not? You know what? It was quite the experience. It it, it was something to behold. Uh, I've never seen two teams actively try not to win as much as the Browns and Bucks did in their matchup, but it was fun. It, it was a good time. Uh, hats off to the Cleveland Browns for successfully not being out coached in that game, which is saying something. Um, and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know what? They're still in first place in the NFC South. I'm okay with that. They somehow helped their draft positioning as well with a potentially great quarterback class coming in. I'm also okay with that. Todd Bowles is still their head coach. I'm not super okay with that, especially after last week's performance. Byron Leftwich is still the coach in waiting should Todd Bowles not succeed, which I can live with that one. And I got to watch two teams that I've rooted for over many, many years play each other again in what could be Tom Brady's final game with against the Cleveland Browns. So it was cool. It, it, it was a cool weekend of football, not going to lie. I don't know about do it for us, though. Tonight, big thanks again to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, 
along with awful announcing and the comeback to talk Ohio State football. Old Fort boys basketball coach Eric Hoover and Old Fort girls basketball coach Tim Ritzler. Join us Friday night for our coverage of high school basketball. We'll have a pair of boys basketball matchups on WFB. We'll have coverage of Fostoria when they host Genoa. On Classic Hits, we'll head out to Old Fort as they play host to Tiffin Calvert. Matt Common and I will have that one for you Friday on Classic Hits 96.7. Stay tuned in on WFOB as we will join in progress the Cleveland Cavaliers as they host Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. Former broadcast partner Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off from the Frickers Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your night, everybody.